You're listening to Once, episode 198, Mother. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. And we're happy to have you joining us. What did you think of this episode now that we've seen it a couple times? It was like a fun ride at the Once Upon a Time amusement park. <laughs> or History Museum. <laughs> it, was, it was entertaining. A uh, couple major developments, but... I think they were fast, if that makes any sense. I don't think it was content dense. It was punchy. No. It had momentum it was, and movement yeah. and all the rest of those sorts of things. It was fun to watch. It was kind of emotionally dense, more so than just event after event. It was There was a lot of weight in what was being discussed. I really liked it. I think it wrapped up a lot of moments that we were waiting for and I, there were lots of kind of Easter eggs and stuff, which I'm sure we're talk, we'll talk uh, about that eggs. kind of <laughs> that of kind darkness. of benefit benefit longtime watchers as well as Wonderland watchers. So. Well, it's funny now that you mention emotionally dense. They wrapped up really quickly a couple of big emotional parts of the plot. Emma and her relationship with her parents. Mm-hmm. They just kind of whacked snow on the head and. Had Emma forgive her mother. I mean, I guess the thing with her father still up in the air. But <laughs> since she didn't say a word to him. But not really. Uh, and, and also Regina's whole sort of quest all summed up. All just sort of wrapped up. So I guess they've gotten a lot out of the way so they can focus on whatever they need to in the last two hours of the season. Yeah, we've got the finale coming up, and it is going to be a two-hour event starting at 8, 7 central for two hours. Make sure that you have your DVRs set appropriately if you record that way. And I, I don't think they're going to make the finale be a completely separate story like they did Oh, good grief. That would be three. horrible. Well, <laughs> they might. Well, there's there's nothing here that's actually been completely wrapped up that can't carry over. I mean, there are some things kind of wrapped up. That's true. But you're saying the stuff about Emma's relationship with her parents, that kind of seemed to drag on for a while. So it is nice to see that wrapped up it and moved did, on. It did, but yeah. <laughs> this episode was written by Jane Espenson. And yes. Was it? It didn't have a couple of her trademarks, at least that I could tell. We heard nowhere in here anything about gods, plural. And also, I didn't see a Game of Thorns anywhere (laughs) on this. That would have been so contrived, although I guess they could have just driven the van past. (laughs) It just usually seems that the episodes she writes, for one thing, have great dialogue. And I do think this episode had some great dialogue in it. But also, um, the episode she writes tends to have those little trademarks. Did you happen to notice that, uh, that David also had quite a bit of character development when snow got hit he called after her repeatedly mary margaret and when she got hit he called her snow and i delighted and emma called her mom yeah yeah so i think they should just knock snow into rocks more often (laughs) it's good for people apparently oh i meant to look i forgot to look there's um a in the 
commentary of the episode. Oh, which episode does Snow and Charming meet in? In Snow season Falls. one. Snowfalls. So in the commentary for Snowfalls, I think it was, they were, were talking about when um, Jennifer Goodwin got injured when she was shooting and it was like right there on her head where she got oh. hit in this episode and they had to like change her hair and cover her with um, the net uh, that she got huh. uh like, you know, caught up in uh, when she was running from Charming. And uh, I was just thinking it would be funny if that's where they made this bump, because then her scar that she must have from that would be more explained. Oh, that's funny. I didn't realize that happened. So let's start our in-depth discussion in the past with the queen, evil queen here at the wedding. I think the whole point of this little scene was to show us, for one, this is the evil queen days. Mm-hmm. And to remind us that this is the anniversary of Daniel's death. It's kind of the moody queen days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and wouldn't you be if you had a tarantula for a necklace? Mm, not where <laughs> I thought that sentence was going. Well, seriously. It, and speaking of tarantula, no. Seriously, her necklace, you look at it and the, the decoration, the little jewel thing that's around her neck is a tarantula. See, it felt like she was experimenting with being evil. <laughs> she was like, I'm still wearing blue. But I'm kind of in a rage, and I'm going to just sort of play with people's hearts literally, and I'm going to wear a tarantula because that's bad, and I'm pretty grumpy. I think she went more evil and more dark in this episode. Yeah. I was trying to place this episode in the timeline, and I'm not even going to try in this podcast to to do that. I'm sure Daniel will fill us in. But um, (laughs) it seems like every quote, evil things she did in this episode, which like, yes, there were some evil things and some things that are maybe not evil, but just not not necessarily light magic sort of things. It, it seemed that all of the things she did in this episode were because she was challenged. So when she killed the groom in this scene, it was because her father had challenged her that, oh, you're not really mad. It's just because of what day it is. And it seems like she was still kind of in that courting phase of evil, like what like trying to establish her power and her reputation mm-hmm. yeah and the castle is dark so this is after uh, king leopold's death and snow's banishment mm. and that's why the people really want snow to be queen is the people start really rallying around snow when she was banished and yet right cora seem well not cora but cora. oh goodness <laughs> Okay, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Henry seems to think that there's still a chance the people might support her. And also, they're not too scared to meet for a wedding in that meadow. So she hasn't done too much eviling yet, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cora said something about, but I think I had misunderstood this the first time, but Cora said something about, or sorry, Regina said to Cora that she would be the one behind the child-sized throne and I thought for some reason at first she was talking about snow, but then I realized she was talking about if she had a baby. Right. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of Cora, I really do think she's my favorite villain. And it was really cool to see her in this episode. Like I said, in the initial reactions, I was not expecting her to show up and to see her in an episode was really exciting. Again, she mentioned that she borrowed a rabbit and that's how she got here. (laughs) And in the initial reactions, I kind of called this out to say that sounds kind of like a plot hole. But Steve left this comment on our initial reactions, and he explains this really well. Listen to what he said. Alice and Will were getting the white rabbit from Cora's guards in the episode to catch a thief. 
this is Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Uh So Korra captured the rabbit and went to the Enchanted Forest, but then went back to Wonderland before the rabbit is stolen in the maze. Korra's idea of building a dynasty must have been inspired by her grooming of Anastasia so she can take over Wonderland when Korra leaves for good. But when Regina drank the potion, Korra angrily went back to Wonderland, and she probably kidnapped Henry Sr. on the way out of the palace just to spite Regina and to show her how much alone she really wasn't until that moment. The White Rabbit must have laid low after Alice and Cyrus freed him in the maze in the episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, Trust Me. So then Jefferson was later tricked into going to Wonderland with Regina, and Cora wanted him to make a hat because the White Rabbit wasn't anywhere to be found. I think it makes a lot of sense when you piece it together like that. (laughs) Well, well, if you piece it together, yes, it works. Huh. I never thought of that as a plot hole, but I didn't right. think of the timeline. I try not to think of the timeline unless there's like a huge <laughs> look at me kind of thing getting me to look at the timeline. So I just was like, oh, that's funny. That's clever. It's a little Wonderland nod. I like it. And we do have a great timeline that Keb manages. If you go over to oncepodcast.com slash timeline, or as we like to call it, the once upon a timeline managed by Keb over there, and she does a great job at it. There's a lot of information. So she does sometimes have to take a couple episodes to gather all the information, but there's a lot there. I was using it as a reference the other day, and it's a great timeline. Check it out there, oncepodcast.com slash timeline. And if you just go to the website, you'll see a link to it on the menu. But Cora also met Tinkerbell somewhere in in Tinkerbell's travels around between different worlds. Yeah, <laughs> I like. I mean, it, it asks all the questions or begs all the questions: why, how, when, where? And sadly, I find myself wondering: do do I care? I mean, because of course she did. That like, uh, where could Tinkerbell possibly have been? That Cora would have been. That that could have even happened. And how would they happen to have a conversation that somehow wound around to that little story? I think that Tinkerbell may have gone to Wonderland. And someone else suggested this, too. I'm sorry, I don't have the name in front of me. But um, someone else suggested that maybe Tinkerbell went to Wonderland when she was kind of wingless and looking around (laughs) for a place to go. And she went there before she went over to Neverland. And then that's where she stayed. Yeah. And that makes sense that Cora would get her story because if you recall when Hook ended up in Wonderland, he was pretty much immediately brought to Cora and demanded of him his story. Like, who told you to come here? What are you here for? Right. right. Yeah. So if Tinkerbell was discovered there in the same manner, Cora would have been like, hey, what you doing? Why are you here? Oh, I lost my wings because I tried to help the evil queen and blah, blah, blah. When Cora went to the tavern... <laughs> I wondered if there's maybe some irony here. Is this the same tavern where she met Jonathan? Remember back in previous episodes? I was definitely reminded of younger Cora by her behavior. Well, I think that when Nottingham noticed her, he was preying on her because of her appearance of wealth. Probably not because he just enjoys hitting on older women. He enjoys well, getting money. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. I I didn't even notice a signal, 
but the bartender looked at him over Cora's shoulder and held up his hands like two. Uh, he already knew what to do. No, actually, the, Nottingham held the, up his <laughs> fingers first to say, yeah, it's I'll still, have two. It was still pretty routine. Whatever it is you serve, I'll have two of them. Right. Well, no, he already knows. <laughs> they only served one thing back then. Well, I guess so. <laughs> one other funny, very brief thing is that Cora momentarily fixated on this one random person there in the tavern who is wearing a little green hat kind of like the traditional robin hood hats that we see in many drawings or like in the disney cartoons or several different movie versions of the robin hood story cute little thing there so she says wives can be gotten rid of so i hear (laughs) (laughs) because she wouldn't know anything about that no none also nottingham mentioned marion being a sickly little tart (laughs) which helps us place this on the timeline i mean little comments like that have some thought behind them and we dig into that this means that this is just before robin hood broke into rumpelstiltskin's palace and stole the wand in order to make marion not a sickly little tart Uh, can we just refer to her as that from now on or is that disrespecting the dead maybe that should have been my chat room name i yeah i was actually just going to say the same thing (laughs) i think everyone is probably expecting me to do a segue to our sponsors here but i'm not going to (laughs) but think about this from nottingham's perspective realize this is somewhere around the events of that episode where we got to see Robin Hood break into Rumpelstiltskin's castle. That was the same episode where Rumpelstiltskin was looking for Robin Hood. And remember, Rumpel ran into Nottingham and did what? <gasps> Took his tongue. Yeah. So this guy is just not having a good day or a good <laughs> week or whatever, however long this is that this is happening and how close these things are together. I can't feel too bad. Things are just not going well for him. I just remembered things that happened to him later in Storybook. That's actually (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Is Snow already out in the woods at this point? Or is she still in the castle? Okay, because then why would the people be looking to Snow for to be the queen if she's gone? Because when Snow was running away, the people were helping her. And that probably made them a lot more sympathetic to her. And remember even a whole village died to protect snow so when cora then comes back to regina in her chamber and introduces this is bachelor number one (laughs) you're watching the bachelor once upon a time style nice gesture there to just nonchalantly show yes i have the scar of the person who's supposed to be your soulmate (laughs) and by scar we mean tattoo might be a scar now (laughs) that lion was pretty mean for being such a little guy well you know regina was wearing a tarantula she (laughs) felt like sheriff nottingham needed to be wearing a lion for each other really (laughs) at least that's what nottingham thought when they were down by the apple tree yeah okay so about being by the apple tree uh, did anybody co-author this <laughs> because I feel like there's usually Jane Espenson's really good with continuity. And so maybe Regina was supposed to be caught up in the moment and the excitement of a soulmate. But I, I mean, given the beginning of the episode, 
I found it very strange for her to say there was a stable boy I liked once. Talking about Daniel. I mean, that really just kind of downplays the whole thing. Well, what do you say to the person who's supposed to be your soulmate when you're talking about someone you formerly loved? Well, okay. You say, I was madly in love with this other guy, but you're my soulmate. So, you know, we'll make it work. Well, well, no, but I think that, yeah, I just think she would say it differently. And he called him a lowly stable boy and she didn't bat an eye. Actually, I think that... You think that's when she started suspecting? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that and I think another comment too. (laughs) Yeah, when he called her weak. Or well, said she feminine. Could be weak. Yeah. Feminine. Because <laughs> weakness and femininity are equated In to his each mind. other. Yeah. That that was definitely the moment where she realized, yeah, no. And yet it was only her trigger word in this episode. I guess it was the phase she was in. Her tarantula days, she was very particular <laughs> about being called weak. That's why she likes tarantulas. They're not weak. No. They're meant for each other. So he gets sent to the dungeon. <laughs> nice that. line. I think that was the the best line oh, from you're this throwing episode. A tantrum. But when Cora comes and revisits him, I think that this whole thing, and you have to watch it several times to maybe see the different interpretations that could be from what Cora is saying to Regina. One interpretation is that Cora is truly having a change of heart because she said stuff basically saying that love isn't weakness, which is not consistent with anything else we know from Cora, both before this and after this. Right. But maybe she did have a momentary change of heart and then Regina made her change it back. Or the other idea is that this whole time Cora is playing Regina, maybe with drinking that potion being Cora's actual end goal. Uh, I don't, I don't think, so. think that was her end goal. I think she was playing Regina because she's Cora. But I think when that potion came out, she was just trying her best to backpedal that. Well, after Regina drank the potion, she looked at it while Cora was talking. And Regina had this look of almost realization. Keep in mind, Cora has always been almost to an unhealthy degree focused on Regina and Regina's being queen. Because remember, the first time we saw Regina, the first time, the youngest we've seen Regina, baby Regina, Uh Cora held up baby Regina and said, her name is Regina, for she will be queen. And Cora has always been all about the glory and honor and rank that her daughter deserved, pretty much living her own life vicariously through her daughter, not necessarily wanting to rule from behind the throne. Right. Well, I don't know why she didn't just come out and say all the things that she said about if I wanted to take your power, I'd find a much more direct way. Mm -hmm. I guess she really didn't think Regina would actually drink the potion. But then again, realize what does perhaps manipulating her to drink the potion do? It further makes Regina lonely. True. Yeah, but there was nothing... Cora's not great at hiding certain types of true emotions, and she seemed to be pretty genuine. But... Add to this, season two, when Cora was back in Storybrooke, manipulating things from a distance, she manipulated the situation to make Regina feel alienated so that Cora could sweep in and be the savior to Regina. So all of these things outside of this episode make me think that 
Cora's actions in this episode were manipulation. But once she had done it, she owned it. In this case, she said, no, really, I wanted you to have a child. For your sake, yeah. Yeah. And Cora also said... The only one standing in the way of your happiness is you. Yeah, very true. Yeah. But also possibly manipulation. Mm. I like that line. I like that the notion that we can be our own worst enemies when it comes to finding our own happiness. I think that that can be very true in our world. Uh, and I like how it is in, in even in Once Upon a Time, that's very kind of consistent. Like Rumpelstiltskin, who's in the way of finding his happiness. He is. He's the only reason he doesn't have a happy ending. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was very pointed and then also very true to the real world, I think. Now, something cool is that our forum members have been predicting for years that Regina was barren. We oh. just didn't know if it was natural or if someone or something happened to her or why necessarily. We never even had confirmation, but the forums have been speculating this. We've got, you are such an intelligent listener. <laughs> and maybe you weren't one of the ones that predicted this, but I know you've got great theories and we're trying to incorporate as many as we can from your feedback. But congratulations, forum members, for yeah. predicting that she was barren. Just no one imagined what might have caused her to be barren. Also, I just want to say, if that potion that she drank is the same potion that... Uh, Spencer, who was then King King George. George used on Snow White, at, like had Lance a lot used on Snow White. Then perhaps now we know that Regina is barren by choice because that is very easily or would have been in the past very easily counteracted by Lake Nostos. True. Yeah. Jessica Olson said, I think Cora coming back was to remind us how much we, both the audience and Regina, don't like Cora, although it was kind of fun to see her. Showing that Regina took that potion in order to spite her mother was interesting and quite drastic, but Regina has been known to act harshly and let her emotions get the best of her, especially when trying to get back at someone else. Totally. Daniel, mm -hmm. did you know that Cora was going to be guesting again? This season? No, I think I said in the initial reactions, I'd seen something that said Barbara Hershey or Cora would be back, but I thought it was just a rumor or I knew okay. nothing about even the season or if it was just someone said, yeah, we're going to have Cora back or something yeah. like that. So. I just remember your reaction when Cora showed up in Once Wonderland and <laughs> you were so excited. And well, yeah, I'm, I mean, it. I think she's my favorite villain. Mm -hmm. of the yeah. whole series peter this, pan was probably the coolest but cora yeah. was like the one that whenever i see her it's like yeah cora's back <laughs> i don't know why but it's uh -huh. just she's one of those that every time we see her it's like oh you sneaky cora yeah <laughs> sneaky but consistent she i think in every episode has said love is weakness and has called somebody a stupid girl or a foolish girl or you know, some kind of silly girl. Lucky. <laughs> oh. Um, yep. Yeah, but I had seen spoilers because that was the one I had to unfollow last week was pictures of Regina and Cora. So uh -huh. it's kind of ruined for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Friends don't spoil TV shows for friends. Yes. Silly girls. 
Oh. Spoilers are weakness. <laughs> but you know who isn't weak? It is our wonderful supporters for this episode of Once Podcast. Big thanks to David Newland, Steve Johnson, Lisa Slack, Tracy Anderson, Daniel Clark, Laura Silva, and our 15 backers on Patreon. We really appreciate your support. We could not do this podcast without you. Seriously, literally, we could not. Because for one thing, you provide great feedback. All of you do, who send in information and theories and such, provide great feedback that help drive the podcast, but also the donations and the financial support really help because it does cost to run the podcast, to host the media files, to host the website, to install plugins, to make the website work, to make software and microphones and all of that stuff work. So every little bit really helps. And that's why we're so grateful to our contributors for every episode. Again, thanks to David, Steve, Lisa, Tracy, Daniel, Laura, and our 15 backers on Patreon. If you would like to support an episode or maybe several episodes of One's Podcast, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. You can sign up for a one-time donation of any amount, an automatic monthly donation, or a per-episode donation. Or if you just want to shop on amazon.com, click on our link before you do, and then we get a portion of your purchase back to us, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. All of those options are over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. On to the present day with Regina and Robin sitting in a bar. T-A-L-K-I-N-G. I got to do that almost every time they're sitting mm-hmm. somewhere together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it feel to you like this forgetting potion idea is becoming squid ink? Mm. <laughs> Maybe forgetting potion is made from squid ink. Uh, probably. I don't. I mean, those, it doesn't feel that bad to me. Uh, especially because they've actually, it's not a new thing. They've used it or some form actually forgetting potions better than just like, uh, um, dare I break the seal on season two when Regina told Henry all these nefarious plans she had and then just sort of waved her hand and made him forget. Uh, I didn't, you know, that, that was way too convenient. So the potions almost better. Uh, I'm not sure what that says about helping children deal with difficult and confusing situations that arise in their lives. Um, Because they don't have to tell them a whole lot. Well, from what happens later on in the episode, it almost Mm. sounds like maybe they won't use a forgetting potion. Maybe. I, I, I mentioned it before, but this whole conversation and just the way... That they talk about the baby and the whole situation. I mean, in a world that had magic, I would think this would be considered a crime, what she did. Yes, there's a baby and he should care about the baby, but this means nothing for his relationship with Regina or with Selena. She's an unfit mother. They're going to a place where she apparently can be locked away. I would like to see a little more... Uh, do process whatever that looks like in Storybrooke, then lock her down in the dungeon, which, by the way, let's get to that. She wanted to see the dungeon. Well, oh, yes. <laughs> um, ooh, the parallel. Uh, yeah, so... You know, I just think that they're making slightly too much of it, so I'm glad they, I think... Well, I guess I wouldn't say they've wrapped that up. It's still complicated, Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was an entirely truthful premise. 
Well, and yeah. I'm not so sure that Zelina's being pregnant is even a truthful premise because later on in this episode, it is teased that I'll see you at the next ultrasound, which maybe we'll not even see that. But if that happens, mm-hmm. maybe they'll discover, wait a minute, there's no baby. Because Zelina is really milking this for all it's worth. You know, when Emma's about to come over and punch her face in, nod to season two, Zelina's all like, oh, the baby kicked. Oh my gosh. The way she responded when when they referenced Neil. Sorry? Oh, she's she's getting to be a good one that's fun to hate. But I kind of think the baby is not fake. I don't think the baby's fake. I just think... You go, hmm, well, we've adopted some new laws in Storybrooke. Do what you did multiple times, and probably you're not a fit mother. You're going to have to do some time, or we're going to banish you somewhere. And the child's father will raise him or her and do what he wants with his life. Like, I don't, it's just not that big of a thing. I just... I wouldn't be surprised if the baby's fake, but let's be honest, all the conditions are there for the baby to have been real. Well, when the baby's born, they'll be able to tell whether it's real or fake. Yes. (laughs) By trying to enact a time travel curse. If it's made of plastic. Jacqueline mentioned uh, the the line when Emma was talking about Neil, and she didn't really say (laughs) anything. Like she, She just said, he was a lot of things to me. And Jacqueline said... Well, I'll be over here in this corner crying my eyes out and having every emotion under the sun. <laughs> a lot of people miss Neil and miss seeing Emma and Neil together and, and not necessarily the shippers, but just the storyline. Yeah. But there there are people who like legit stopped watching the show at that time. There are, are people who I know who legitimately stopped watching the show and I was like, Yeah, 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 you'll be back in a couple of weeks. And I know people who stopped podcasting about the show oh, when that yeah. happened. Yeah. And they called it fan service and they blah, blah, blah. They said that, you know, they did it so that because the fans wanted Emma with Hook, which I would disagree with. I think just as many fans wanted her with Neil. And uh, yeah, it's that's it's still a sore spot for a lot of oncers. Oh, yeah. And it it will be for a while. Mm -hmm. But there's always breakfast at Granny's. That makes things better. Well, bagels. bagels. (laughs) Well, hmm. There seems to be some doubt as to the quality of the bagels in Storybrooke. It looked like it. I think in addition to potentially rationing the quality of the bagels, Rumple is maybe rationing his magic too. Because as Hook pointed out, Rumple can't use his magic without darkening his heart a little bit more. So I think he's coming to that point where every bit of magic he uses is just going to hurt him more and more. He can't lash out. I felt like it was specifically an act of evil that he couldn't do. Yeah. Which yeah. maybe all his magic is dark. I don't know. Well, and then he says, forget walking. I have a better idea. And thus, the automobile was born. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, because he did poof after all that. So, yeah, I don't understand. Another thing I didn't understand in this scene is why the ink has to be come from blood governed by her dark impulses or whatever they said like why why does it have to be emma why can't they just cut isaac's hand open and put it in the ink well because as isaac said emma is the one who 
in a sense, wrote the happy endings here. She's in the bringer of happy sense. endings. In a sense. However, there is no author in Storybrooke. These stories aren't being written anywhere that we know of. Right. Uh, and she hasn't been given the power of author. But so she has been given the power of being the bringer of happy endings. Yeah. Throwback to the pilot, which there were actually a lot of references to in this. Henry telling her, you're here because it's your destiny. You're going to bring back the happy endings. Hmm. When's the last time we saw Henry? In this episode. Yeah, we saw him briefly. <laughs> For a second. Well, I'm sure it was memorable. He gets to he hug He gave his mom a hug. <laughs> oh, that's right. He, yeah, they, yeah, all that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Let's get to that now. No. <laughs> Did you notice Zelina and Robin have a minivan? And Zelina was driving it. Okay, so that's where that came from. I, was, I saw, I think, Regina back there. I was like, what are they doing? They're just fully embracing this whole be a family yeah. thing by having a minivan. I mean, this is yeah. Robin Hood, the prince of thieves, robbed from the rich, give to the poor, riding in a minivan. Living in New York, and neither of them have credit. Yeah, yeah I think maybe they rented that car because did. I don't think that uh, two people living in that apartment in Manhattan have a minivan. Right. I think that the parking would cost more than the rent. But you know what they did all have? Cell phones. So, you know, if I'm Emma, I'm thinking, okay, guys, here's the thing, mom and dad. You probably shouldn't be right there when we get back with Lily. Maybe just meet me at the apartment. That's That was pretty uncomfortable. Oh, I, I figured that was all planned. That <laughs> <It> was <laughs> it's like, okay, no, 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 don't, don't, don't bite. Don't bite the nice people. <laughs> here, no, oh, over here. Your mom's over here. Just, no, stop. No, don't sniff over there. Just come over here. It was kind of awkward. <laughs> I thought she should have snarled probably. Lily, not Emma. She had like a an expression. <laughs> Emma did almost snarl at her own parents, though. Yeah. She's like, just because I don't want Lily to kill you right now doesn't mean I want to see you. I was surprised, actually. I thought that she was going to hug her parents. I thought that was going to be the moment because well, of what she went through on the trip out. Yeah. But then I was disappointed again. After almost killing someone to protect them, you would think she might have given them a grumpy embrace. Yeah. You well, would think one of the other questions that uh, once a holic raised about <laughs> this return is once a holic said, can anyone help me out and explain why Zelina didn't freeze when they took her back over Storybrooke town border? I think the ex explanation there is what we talked about a couple episodes ago in our podcast is that I think Zelina's second freeze was all fake. That's very likely. So coming back to Storybrooke doesn't mean that she would suddenly freeze again because that second freeze was fake anyway. The first one, sure, that was true. Yeah, I agree. I think that's as good an explanation as any. <laughs> um, probably the best. It was cool to see the harsh nurse and the <laughs> Indian guy mopping again in the in Storybrooke's dungeon. But But why? Like, why are they there? It's just their job. They are both. I don't, they seem to be automatons. They seem to just be frozen in time. It's like that basement, never uncursed. Well, someone apparently likes the harsh nurse. 
because she has a couple greeting cards on her desk that look like someone sent them to her. Maybe they're from her childhood. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And no, I couldn't read what they actually said, but I did see greeting cards on her desk. Oh my gosh. I hope she's like the key to the whole thing. Like she's... I don't know. She's the wizard. She's a disguise for the sorcerer. (laughs) The sorcerer. She had an expression, guys. She usually does. She definitely had an expression when Regina, like, marched Zelina in there. Like, another one. She's like the best cast weird extra ever. And I (laughs) want her to be somebody important in the end. Did you guys notice the reference to uh, Tamara's cuff that they have now stuck on Zelina? Yeah. Makes good sense, though, too. It does. And it was so nonchalant that it was just like, okay, I'll buy that. Yeah. That was actually my first thought when Regina announced they were all going back to Storybrooke. I thought, well, yes, let's take Zelina back to the place where she's not just a mean woman. She's actually got some power. Well, but does or she? does she? Because her necklace was all smashed, right? Yeah, we still, we, it was explained how she was alive and how she went back in time. It was never explained how she got a body, like her, a physical body. Her necklace the necklace that had her power was not crushed. Oh, it was it's not. presumably right. still inside Regina's vault. Yeah, see? But her life force was in that necklace and that came out. So she might not have all the magical power that she had when she had that necklace. But remember, she was magical before she had the necklace. Oh, yeah. True. How could we forget the tree and the baby arm? Stupid uh, baby. Yeah. So still taking her back to Storybrooke seems like the most dangerous place to keep her. Agreed. But, but I guess they've got to keep the baby close. Yeah. You keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, and then there was that strange reference to Dr. Whale providing the finest care this side of the fictional Alps. <laughs> what the heck? What are the fictional Alps? And how can there be any fictional Alps in our world? And I mean, that might have been an okay reference while the ice wall was up. <laughs> Except they weren't fictional, and they weren't Alps. I'm confused. It was an odd line. Unless it's maybe, like, a combination of ideas. Maybe there are (laughs) Alps in one of the storybooks. I I don't know. Yeah, it was one of those odd lines. (laughs) When Isaac and Mr. Gold or Rumpelstiltskin are back at Gold's shop... Oh, this scene. Yeah. ...was written in squid ink... Which was the ink from last week was hardly even dry and they changed it. I mean, they acknowledged it, but I feel like it was only because they had to. It's like last week somebody flubbed and Espenson had to fix it this week. That's how that felt to me. You're saying in regards to the ink? I'm saying, well, no, I was just being facetious with the squid ink like I do. Mm, I'm referring to Regina saying... Actually calling Rumple out on the inconsistency from one week to the next. She says, you said it would kill your ability to love. She trailed off. She's like, you didn't say that any of this stuff that you're saying now was going to happen. Because it's a completely different scenario than what was presented last week. I don't think so. Not completely. I can see elements of both in this. Mm. And it's just we got a couple details before. Now we're getting more details on the other side of things. Because... We've seen when people don't have their hearts, they don't have the ability to love. They don't have the ability to feel emotional pain and all of that. Like, look at Will in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland had his heart removed so he wouldn't be in such agony over losing Anastasia. 
And we've seen Regina pull out her own heart because she was in agony over being separated from Henry when they were sent back to the storybook land, the Enchanted (laughs) Forest. So if his heart is dead, but his dark one persona continues, then yes, he loses his ability to love. And he loses not, his ability to a lot of things. Yeah, he's not really him anymore. He's the dark one. Just pure dark one. No Rumpelstiltskin whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Which could be really scary. It could be. Is he going to turn gold again? Like actual gold? Is gold going to be gold? <laughs> I just think that probably in the episode where he said he would lose his ability to love, he should have said this person or Rumpelstiltskin will die and the dark one will live on. With no ability to love or, you know, I don't know, something to be a little more consistent. So it didn't seem like a swerve. Well, you know, a couple episodes of the podcast ago, I mentioned a poll that we have going in our forums. (laughs) And I want to give you the update (laughs) on this. It's really interesting here when you look at it from a couple perspectives. 36.5% said, yes, Rumpel will die and stay dead. 22.5%. Twenty-two and a quarter percent said yes. Rumple will die, but he will be revived yet again. And forty-one and a quarter percent said no. He will not die at all. Now, a couple interesting dimensions to look at for this. Forty-one percent think almost half of the people think that he won't die at all. More than half of the people think he will die. <laughs> but look at this from the different dimension. More than half of the people, 63.5%, think that in some way he'll continue on. Either that he'll die and be reborn, or that he won't die at all. So 63% think he'll continue on in the series. 36%, think that he'll be gone from the series. And then the other dimension is 41 and a quarter think that he'll not die at all. And more than half of the people think that he will die in some way. I wonder if people are more so voting what they hope to happen than what they, (laughs) like we talked about this last episode, like I would love for him to die and stay dead. I think he does. (laughs) I I love, I love Robert Carlyle. I think he does a great job. I don't know that his character is going anywhere or has been. He's kind of just like a pain in the butt that never goes away (laughs) and never gets a new song to sing and whatever. But I don't think that he will die, unfortunately, for me. (laughs) So I wonder if people are voting what they wish or what they actually think based on their theories of the show. (laughs) Sloopies came up with an interesting idea. She said, I'm thinking that the Dark One force will actually leave his body and create a destructive black hole, which will suck in all light and goodness. Wow. I don't know what else could happen in the show at that point. Our forum member (laughs) Sweets said, I wonder if the name on the dagger would change if all of Rumpel's humanity is gone. It would just change to, who am I? Well, here's another idea of maybe what could save Rumpel, and this comes from one of our international listeners. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Jeremy. This is Peepsy from India. Hey, everyone else, too. Sorry. Uh, Let me begin by saying I'm a huge, huge fan of your show, and I look forward to it every week. And I think you guys do a great job. 
Snow splits her heart to save her one true love, charming, with whom she shares heart and stuff. Then why cannot Belle split her heart to save her uncle Stilskin? Oh. It does make sense that they've already shown us Belle's heart this season, and they usually don't show us hearts without good reason. And other than that, that will keep Rumpelstiltskin alive, and we always like a alive Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Thank you very much. Well, maybe Belle's heart isn't strong enough for two people, and maybe. Just maybe. Have we had any indication before that if something happens to either Snow or Charming, it happens to both of them, life-wise? Well, Charming didn't get knocked out in this episode when Snow did. Well, but I mean something affecting the heart or the life. Um, We had theorized stuff like that before. I know I've brought up the movie Dragonheart before, uh an old 80s, 90s movie. So we don't really know, basically. Right. Okay, so... But, you know, it's sort of like giving a liver transplant to someone who is, not that you can just give someone your liver, but someone who is going to continue, let's say, to be an alcoholic. Like, I don't know that I would be quick, if I were Belle, to give half my heart to someone who's just going to darken that too, because he can't help himself. Yeah. And hasn't really shown much sign of changing or wanting to. And likewise, if I were Rumple and said what I said to Belle last week, I wouldn't accept her heart because I know that I'm going to darken it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. It Like just eating hearts, basically, for the sake of being able to continue on. Now, it was great to hear from her in India, and she also left mm-hmm. a kind review for us in iTunes. And I'm not sure if you realize this, but when you look in iTunes, you're only seeing podcast reviews for your own country. That's why I made a service for podcasters called MyPodcastReviews.com. If you're a podcaster, check it out. If you know a podcaster, tell them about it, because it's a way that I am able to afford to eat if you sign up for a premium plan there. But anyway, she also <laughs> left a very kind review for us on iTunes in the India store. She said, love, love, love this podcast. It's an absolute delight to listen to Daniel, Jeremy, and Aaron discuss the overall episode along with several fun insights, Easter eggs, and character analysis. Of all of the Once Upon a Time podcasts I listen to, you guys have the best opening music sequence. And FYI, big fan of Jeremy's laughter and chuckles. (laughs) There, there you go. I knew that I'd get some laughter and chuckles from you, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I should box it and sell it. Laughter you, and chuckles. Your iTunes reviews do really encourage us, and they do make us laugh and chuckle. And if nothing else, they make us smile. So if you'd like to really make us smile, then please write a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher if you haven't already. The links are on the website to iTunes and Stitcher. Just go to oncepodcast.com and click on the iTunes button or that Stitcher button, and that'll take you right there so you can write a review for us. And no matter what country you're in, we will get to see that review because, of course, I use mypodcastreviews.com for it. So please yeah. <laughs> write a review for us, and we'd love to read that on the show as well. And thank you for the kind review from India. When Regina and Isaac then go to the vault, since Regina and Isaac are apparently now besties, <laughs> <laughs> his whole thing, he said, basically, I mean, Jeremy, if I told you the only reason I was working for that person was they offered me a lot of money, but you can trust me. <laughs> right. I li- yeah, well, I paraphrase 
what Isaac said. Basically, I work for anyone I think can give me something I want, so I'm definitely trustable. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, he basically said, I'm kind of a mercenary. What do you want? And what can you give me? And I'll never turn on you unless there's a better price. <laughs> Dairy. We also heard that, and this is so specific, it's almost laughable, the energy of Emma's darkest potential has to charge the ink. Eye roll. Which either is or is not in her, depending on the scene. So, if they know that her potential darkness has been put in someone else, or do they? Does Rumple not know that? Of course Rumpel he does knows know that. that. Yeah. So, so, why try to get Emma to turn dark if the potential is not there? If that was a successful curse spell, whatever, then she doesn't have the potential to turn dark. And, of course, that potential is located in Lily. But if it didn't work, then Lily, Lily's blood should have done nothing. And the way they state it sometimes, Lily's position is not savior. So, it shouldn't have worked anyway, even though the potential for darkness is there. She's still not that. Here's... <laughs> The, he sounds like me for the last three podcasts. It's super frustrating. <laughs> it I mean, is really frustrating. Get this technical, write the rules and establish them last year somehow. I, I think that maybe what's happening is we're hearing incomplete pieces of something that maybe works out like this. Maybe. And that is that Emma had this huge darkness in her, but that was cast into Lily. So that's the actual darkness. But Emma still has the potential, the greatest potential for darkness. And that's why the Chernabog was chasing her. Mm, because well, she had that potential, but the darkness was actually somewhere else. But how was it stated in the episode where it was done? Yeah, I know. It's things like this where the author did say the energy of her darkest potential has to charge the ink. Mm. It, mm. Yeah. Super defined, super specific. And yet still yeah. somehow majorly inconsistent. Unless, unless the plan was <laughs> that if Emma shot Lily, her darkness would be returned to her. Because the vessel is no longer alive to carry her darkness. And I would go along with that. But did Rumpel even know that she knew Lily? Uh, Rumpel seems to know a lot of things. <laughs> well, that's true. Hmm. I don't think that he did know it was this ominous thing, this something that's apparently also looking out for Regina. And I know we'll talk about that in a moment, (laughs) but fate was what connected Lily and Emma. And so they were kind of destined to run into each other as well as Emma and Neil originally. Well, I've ranted about how that's not fate too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about this something that's apparently looking out for Regina? The sorcerer, maybe? Well, it was pretty vague, as she pointed out. <sighs> or her ghost mother? No. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was... Oh. Um, <laughs> gosh, I had put that out of my mind. <laughs> so, it's... They were very vague about what the nature of this experimental writing was anyway. And this book that he was writing... Well, in this another book, as he put it, 
seems like maybe something else because at first he was like, that's from some experimental writing for my, uh, another book. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, wait a minute, is there something there? If we get a backstory to the author, which I'm hoping we'll get, we just have the two hour finale left, but that could be a great finale backstory is to get the author's backstory. If we get that, maybe we'll discover that there's something about this particular author that he wrote a book before he was an author or he wrote some stories before he was an author. Yeah, maybe and maybe it was his book proposal. Yeah. Hmm. Just think about this. Again, parallel universes. How <laughs> how does this sorcerer with the help of his apprentice pick the author do they just pick a random guy or do they find someone who has great writing potential the potential for the greatest author stories well he's not supposed to be writing the story he's supposed to be recording it so they shouldn't be picking that way well but you you can (laughs) arguably a memoir is your recording of your story but some are written a lot better and more intriguingly than others yeah. Huh. Well, he's not a good historian. <laughs> and we don't even know when he wrote this other thing, but just that he did write it. Maybe it was something he was able to write from inside the book, like just writing, this is the way I would fix the stories, or this is the way I know I should have recorded the stories, or something like that. Like mm-hmm. he's just feeling sorry for himself and making up for it, or, or something else outside of it interesting i think we'll get to see i'm hoping we'll get to see i don't know any spoilers about the finale just the title i do know the title but uh, i'm hoping that we get the author's backstory and i'm hoping that we get to see what this other book is because we have seen that the sorcerer's manor there has all of these other books but it makes sense now that knowing that the sorcerer and the apprentice hire authors to record throughout history which honestly if their job is to record but all they have to do is write and they can manipulate that power is sort of like why do we even have that lever like like they're never ever supposed to use it why do they have that power it's got to be for something right maybe well i hope it's not some entirely disconnected story that's fun to watch but turns out to not move things along too much (laughs) Isaac's description of Regina here. You've always been a favorite of mine. Very clear goals, plus totally damaged personality with a self-destructive streak. A recipe for compelling. (laughs) Jacqueline points out. (laughs) Jacqueline thought maybe this is basically Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis inserting their own words into the author's mouths. Because Adam and Eddie have said before that they really enjoy writing for Regina. It does seem to be pretty accurate. Regina does seem to know that, too. Like, it does seem like no matter what she does, she cannot win. Yeah. But coming back to that page 23 of the of some other book, Slurpee suggested uh, saying this, Isaac must have been wanting to give villains like Regina her happy ending for quite some time until The Apprentice put a stop to it. No wonder Isaac jumped at the chance to write a happy ending for the villains. I think he's just wanting to be creative, deviate from the norm, or tell a better story. Well, or because he is now a villain and wants happiness himself. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would call him a villain. Definitely. Meanwhile, Maleficent and Lily are at Granny's and Aww. having this yeah, awkward moment, but also kind of tender, but also kind of you know disappointing. It's everything and everything in between. Lily mentioned Annie Hall, and so I did just a little bit of research <laughs> on that. Annie Hall was a 1977 movie that heavily influenced ladies' fashion in that era. And in the movie, this character, Annie Hall, dresses in what we might consider more traditionally masculine items, and that's how we see Maleficent dressing here. That kind of style where it's, think about it, it is a lot of what we would call traditionally masculine things like a tie, a vest, a sports jacket, mm-hmm. uh, dress pants, a fedora, a lot of these things. And the movie Annie Hall actually influenced some of that style and the fashion in the late 70s toward some of that. Hmm. So a neat little nod there. Yeah. But we still don't know why Maleficent chooses to dress that way. Right. Well, maybe that's all they have in the story, Brooke. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> They don't have clothes horses, you know. <laughs> Although she certainly has a wide variety. So maybe they do. Maybe Will brought one. But what do you think about their conversation between mother and daughter? I think it was awkward. Hmm. You're so oh. beautiful. Well, any mother is going to say that about their child that they finally get to to meet. But uh, a lot of their conversation really reminded me of past uh things from well a couple things from the pilot um or maybe just one when henry's begging emma to stay for one week one week whatever was important about one week yes. and then maleficent is asking lily to stay for one week but um there was the dialogue where um lily was just kind of accusing maleficent of you know not not caring enough to protect her and letting them just take her and it reminded me a lot of the dialogue between Emma and Snow in Lady of the Lake when Emma kind of says like I was angry at you trying to figure out how you were going to let me grow up without you basically like accusing mm-hmm. Snow of making a bad choice at that to put her in the wardrobe so there's there's been a lot there was a lot of similarities in dialogue in this episode which I liked the consistency of that because it's kind of the same situation and having her daughter back has given Maleficent some wisdom and saying we can be happy in the future or we can be angry about the past that's one of those little nuggets they like to give that I think carries well into pretty much the rest of life mm-hmm. yeah and uh if Maleficent can't leave Storybrooke does that mean also other magical realms she cannot go to? Or does it just require magic to kind of, you know, mm. keep all our molecules together? That's a good point. Good well, and question. who knows if that's true or if that's just what she's thinking? Oh, I think it's totally true because we've seen other aspects of magic have their limitations in Storybrooke. And when you leave Storybrooke, they're gone. Now, the one that we, I think we should question is when we saw fake Marion leave and the ice just wears off when she walks out of the uh, the barrier but that that could be fake too but that aside we have seen other things like that where just magic doesn't work the same outside of storybrooke we did even see the chernabog when it crossed the town line it just dissolved hmm true 
Yeah, it was a magical being, though. And I know Maleficent is a magical being, but so is Lily. And Lily on the other side of the town line is just human. So I would imagine, or at least hypothesize, that if Maleficent were to leave, she may just be human and may not be a pile of dust. But she could be a pile of dust, too. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) We got some great feedback from Giovanni Penna saying, I have to disagree with Jeremy's opinion in the initial reactions about Maleficent's reaction to Lily. Well, you don't have to. (laughs) I I don't think this was too passive for her. Actually, it reminded me of her in season one. Maleficent was done being a villain, and all she wanted was to settle down with her pet unicorn. I think her non-vendetta stance goes back all the way to the first appearance with the purple indoors outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. I kind of recanted a little bit before I was done talking, I think, because we have seen her just sort of let her hair down literally so many times. So I, I suppose... And she's so desperate and so willing to change things now that her daughter is there that she goes to the Charmings. And I think that that's sort of an act of illustrating some kind of forgiveness to the Charmings because she's going to them for help and she's not holding anything against them. She's just asking them for their help, which I think that's an awesome move on her part. Yeah, I, I agree. Just was trying to put myself in her shoes along with her character. And it just it's hard for me to see her not at least having some kind of edge in her voice. Something. Because it would make sense. It's great if she's forgiving them. And if it's maybe logical to ask for their help, I guess. Uh, but you would think she would still be somewhat angry because they did actually cause it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. she's just, you know, not angry about the past. She's focusing on the future, yeah. and she wants to make sure that she gets to have that future. Isn't it nice to open the door to someone and they say, I'm not going to kill you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I may make sure I tell you that from now on. I liked that scene. I liked how um, like desperate Snow was to help, and it gave me a warm feeling. And it gave us nice nods to previous seasons, too, like reminding us that, remember, Snow cast this curse, but she doesn't necessarily have control over it or know how to influence it. And also some nice references to the whole relationship with Emma in previous seasons. Mm -hmm. And how it's come to fruition. Like Emma's walls were up because she was afraid that everyone was going to let her down and abandon her uh, or let her down or abandon her, I guess. And... As Snow pointed out, that happened. But I think that that's all, it's also a really good moment to point out that it, it didn't happen in the way that it usually does for Emma and that it's kind of now being rectified. Emma has even said that before in reference to her relationship with Hook or why she was a little bit, a little bit reluctant to have a relationship with Hook because she said every guy she's ever been with has ended up dead. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. <laughs> so Lily is planning to leave town via bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think Regina's whole point in coming, yeah, was just to get that potential for darkness savior blood boiling. Which yeah. would be a great name for a band. I loved 
Oh, gosh. I loved the burn Regina put on her. I'll bet that mouth got you lots of attention back at the group home. Because you're acting like a child. But it doesn't work here. <laughs> yeah, was Lily ever even in a group home? I thought oh, that was all a lie anyway. Maybe not. I don't know. That's true. She was adopted. That's yeah. true. As a baby. Yeah. Well, well yeah. but I guess we don't know what happened to her after, but... After um, Emma left her or whatever. Well, remember, she was kicked out by her parents, or that's what she said. Yeah. And she might have been of an old enough age that she would have been able to go around by herself. Maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. So who knows why Regina said that? Maybe just to, like you said, poke at her. Because that's something only Emma would know that she even lied about, right? Right. Right. I love how logical it is that now that she's in a town with magic, she turns into a dragon. And flies away. You know, because her mother. <laughs> That's a niche reference there in fl- the podcast oh. world. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so, so like her mother, she's a human, basically, but can turn into a dragon. Or she's a dragon that can turn into human. She is both. <laughs> isn't, isn't that logical? <clears throat> Snow and, and David, isn't that super logical? Even though she came out of an egg that she's just like her mother and she's kind of a person too. Yeah. Just just saying. Just saying. Yeah. It wasn't a baby dragon. And everybody knew that but you. <laughs> I'm talking directly to them. They're not real. Let's move on. <laughs> So she then, yeah, is turning into this dragon when her eyes are going yellow. And that's when she flew to the town line. You guys, or Jeremy, you were right. And I know our chat room was pointing this out too during the initial reactions. Yes, she was actually at the town line right next to the leaving Storybrooke sign as a dragon. You know, everybody's on the sneaky fairy thing. How about sneaky charmings? (laughs) We're sorry. Please forgive us. Drive her straight to the town line, David. Don't stop. <laughs> Just push her across that town line with your truck. Like, why were they barreling toward the town line? I, well, I can see going and looking for her near there, I guess. I don't know why. If she's leaving town, though, that's where she would be heading. And they're passing yeah. all of the ground she would have to cover as they're barreling toward it. It just seemed that they weren't going to stop if she hadn't been in the road. And I was, I, if I were Maleficent, I would be going, hey, could you, could you slow down just, just a little? I think we should look over there. Uh, yeah, let's not go that way. Lily might have been thinking something like, you want to tell me I'm so beautiful now? <laughs> I mean, it could have been Ash in the Ford. <laughs> I think Maleficent would still think she's very beautiful because she's oh, yeah. half dragon too. Actually, I expected when Maleficent saw her to say something like, she's so beautiful. But instead she said, she looks just like me, which is maybe the same to Maleficent <laughs> to say that. Well, <laughs> it was kind of sweet in a strange dragony sort of way. While this is going on, Regina visits Zelina inside of the hospital dungeon. <laughs> And Let's call it her room. <laughs> with the author there, it did make me wonder how much of Zelina's story might the author have written oh. or influenced? Mm, I mean, Cora's pretty bad. I don't know that he had to do a whole lot. Well, but all Cora did was leave her, you know, leave her. Well, for Oz. isn't that enough? It is enough, but I, I mean, the rest of her... 
story is not because of Korra. It's because of the choices that she made in Oz. Yeah, I don't think people can be running around saying the author made me do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it did sound like the author could have the potential to write her out of existence, her and the baby out of existence. He's probably sitting there going, "Uh, uh, Regina, no, that's not a thing. I can't do that. (laughs) You should talk to me before you speak. (laughs) In fact, let me make sure you do. (laughs) Are the rules of magic still relevant when the author has his squid ink? That's a very good question, because one of the rules we did learn is you can't change the past. <laughs> he just writes, and then Zelina died somehow. <laughs> and everybody forgot that she ever existed. Wait well, the babies. That, that could be the thing, because Regina did say it will be as if you never existed. And remember back in Arendelle, the rock trolls helped everyone to forget right. that... Um, Littlest sister. It? That's more like what a was forgetting name? potion. Uh, Kate? I forgot. No. The Snow Queen. Yeah. The little one. You know, we forgot. The rock troll just made us forget. <laughs> Who is she? I remember. Ingrid's youngest <laughs> sister. Ingrid. Ingrid. Gerda. No, but her youngest sister. Oh, Gerda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gerda. That's... Kate was the boy. I was like, what's the girl's <laughs> name in the real Snow Queen? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. That rock troll magic almost worked on us. What was the other one? Get us. What was the other one he made us forget? I don't remember. Oh, gosh. Exactly. Whoa. Chat room. So it could be like that where you f- everyone forgets to the point that it's as if, yeah, that person Helga. never existed, but you're not actually changing history. Thank you. Yeah, Helga was the other. <laughs> Sorry. But it's one of those things that... I could quote from a biblical phrase here that says heap coals on someone's head, not really like revenge, but it's one of those easily misunderstood passages of the Bible. But it's basically this idea that showing someone or having the power to, to ruin someone else's life or to take their life or whatever, but then not using it conquers them often almost more than actually using that power. Because you saw Zelina, she was almost like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. Wait, yeah. what? You can actually do it? But yeah, do it. Come on, right. come on. And then <laughs> Zelina was, seemed disappointed that Regina didn't actually. I think at that point, Regina conquered Zelina hmm. because of what Regina mm-hmm. chose not to do. And I mean, Zelina was throwing her best stones at Regina, like telling her that she was like their mother. Um, you know, I'm getting to know her right now, even though I never knew her because you're being so terrible, just like our mother must have been. And she was using good material to bring out the worst in Regina. So I'm glad Regina stood up to her. Yeah. And then the author, though, standing up to Regina. (laughs) Well, I don't think he actually stood. (laughs) He just kind of sat there and wrote, little troll. He got super annoying in that moment. Yeah. He's super annoying, period, to me. But Yeah, I, I, he was growing on me, but that was really squirmy. I don't think I liked his character in Lost either, so... Yeah, he seems to just be good at playing annoying characters, yeah. apparently. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know. When Hook and Emma are watching the horizon do its thing, it was great to see <laughs> Hook 
or someone finally getting through to Emma. But also funny to see some of Hook rubbing off on her in that she was turning to rum to feel better, just like Hook would normally or used to do. Yeah, she's turning into a little pirate. Well, Emma's done that before. Yeah, she's a she it just makes it seem more like <laughs> they were made for each other. Don't hate yeah. me. Fans I of, okay, thanks. It just made me think of I thought I might find you here with a drink and my <laughs> son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That was a Mm. Regina actually said something days. that almost sounded exactly like that in this episode. She said, oh, I thought I might find you here. But then she said something different. But <laughs> uh, I also liked the whole, what are we looking at? The horizon. Is it doing something? It's been their life so much of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's calming. Right. Is the horizon a villain? <laughs> <laughs> are there five this time? All coming together? Hey, you guys would think like that, too, if you've been through the last three years with Emma. Yeah, it, I, when you realize yeah. how this stuff flows together in their timelines, they're getting very little break mm-hmm. between these events. Now, Emma had a nice year-long break, but she didn't remember anything during that mm-hmm. time. Well, that's why I liked the six weeks, six beautiful weeks while Rumple wasn't in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all very close together. I Like even earlier, I was thinking when some, I think Daniel said a lot of people felt like the whole Snow Emma, like Snow and Charming and Emma drama dragged on. It was probably like early two days in Storybrooke. Mm. I think maybe a bit longer than that, maybe a week. Maybe, or so. but she's only just gone. Like they were only like a day and a half away in New York. And it does come to this conclusion though, in our next scene when Dragon Lily is stuck in a bush somewhere. And I'm guessing there's probably a cut scene here where David called Emma because why else would Emma just spontaneously show up? It's not like she's mother superior. It was fate. Poops in. She was going for ice cream and there was a wolf. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. That's it. So this whole uh, apology and forgiveness and all of that beautiful, I'm glad it finally happened. And it makes me wonder is this the end of the whole Emma going dark thing? I hope so. Ooh, unless there's something big about to happen that could still push her over the edge. Maybe Lily will kill one of her parents. Well, you can't push someone over the edge unless you're at the edge. Well, as Cruella found out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And is Emma really at the edge anymore? (laughs) Well, no, but you can be rushed up to the edge and then pushed over. Yeah. Like if someone grabbed Henry again, I don't know that Emma would hesitate to protect her son. I don't know. She might ask them, do you have the ability to kill anyone? Okay. If not, then <laughs> okay. Just give me my son back, please. I mean, just not that I want any of it to happen. Not that I'm even predicting it, but just one scenario. Let's say Lily is still bent on revenge and she manages to kill one or both of the Charmings. Probably whoa, David, whoa. just saying. Jeremy. And... Emma goes into a rage and still kills Lily after all. Now she's all dark. Now Maleficent does want revenge. Talk about a war in Storybrooke. True. Yeah, but then how does this all tie in with villains getting their happy endings? Which is well, it really what I think is leading into the finale being about is maybe we see villains actually getting their happy endings. Or maybe we see things starting to change as the author is writing the book. 
How long can he write if the ink is, quote, drying? And that was just because he wasn't writing. That was just a point, you know? You leave the cap off a pen and the ink is drying. Well. Better write quick. Little troll. <laughs> That's my new name for him. And also, parents making up Maleficent and Lily making up seemingly. Hmm? Which, for them to have just met earlier this day, <laughs> and now to be at this point in their relationship that's that's a lot of progress yeah <laughs> you know for dragons that is oh well, yeah it I guess. took a whole season for emma to admit i guess it didn't actually take a whole season it because she didn't know that snow was her mom for real but it took at least you know four or five episodes for emma to admit some of those feelings to uh to snow that that lily's confessing here well, in season two, all of season two, Emma knew that Snow and David were her parents, but it wasn't until the end of season two that Snow actually called them mom, dad. You remember when they had Emma. that, the fail safe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when she had that moment. Mm-hmm. So, but then even after that, in season three, there was the continued struggle of, yeah, it was a moment I called you mom and I'm not ready to call you that now. <laughs> Yeah. And Aaron, like you pointed out, now Lily has committed to stay for a week, which right. is all Emma was going to stay in the beginning. So yeah. is this is this a positive sign or is this really bad? Is it the inverse of Emma starting to stay away, uh, stay a week and bringing good things to town because she was actually yeah. there permanently and didn't know? We know that Lily and Emma are tied together, always have been intended to be. But now there's this skew, I guess, if they can decide, in potential for darkness or in darkness quotient, whichever. <laughs> so if Emma's... I mean, is <laughs> is Lily playing some kind of anti-savior part? I mean, is she... Maybe. Is she really going to end up bringing unhappy endings to the heroes? She might. She might be very pivotal. She might be the one that will break whatever new curse is cast from the author changing the happy endings. True. It could also be that this whole thing, getting to see Maleficent and Lily, and Maleficent being a mother to Lily, it could be that... In the finale, we'll see one or both of them die. Now that, Hmm. you know, it's like never, if you're a police officer or if you're in any kind of service like military or law enforcement or protection, basically, if you have the ability to to protect other people, never announce your retirement because you're going to die that day if you announce it. That's the way movies and TV shows work. (laughs) It's always your last day before you retire that you're going to die. Or something horrible terrible. happens. So that, is terrible. that kind of thing makes me think, okay, now that we see Lily and Maleficent kind of mending things here, maybe we'll see them die. I, I think we might see what Snow and Charming did to Lily somehow rectified by the darkness that was put in her being put back in Emma and the light that Emma then got in its stead being put back in Lily somehow so that it's equal and everyone's making equal choices. Mm. I I wouldn't want to see her die. She hasn't done anything 
to deserve to die. I'm not sure that any light was taken from Lily and put into Emma. Maybe not. I was under the impression that it was kind of a trade-off, but like Lily can't be all dark if she just had extra darkness put in, right? She would still have light in there somewhere then. Right. Somewhere. Because she did say she has tried to do the right thing, but it always blows up in her face. She said that as a kid, and then it seems that in her adulthood, she just embraces it. Thing is, I feel like Emma would say the same thing about her own life. Yeah. Maybe. That sure seems like an accurate description of her life. It does. Or is that because of Lily? Or she doesn't even try to do the right thing in so many cases. Well, for Lily, as we saw in the last episode, Lily, (laughs) only things were going well for Lily when she was around Emma. Right. And for Emma, things would go badly when she was around Lily. Well, that's true. Although Lily wasn't around... During the Ingrid days, which I guess were good up until Ingrid pushed in front of a car, you know. Or the Neil, the Neil days. (laughs) That does tend to spoil things. (laughs) The Neil days, yeah. uh, Yeah, her, you know, stealing things when Lily was nowhere around. Well, at least not directly. Before we talk about our last couple pieces of things for this episode i want to tell you about a cool opportunity you have to not steal well it's almost a steal (laughs) and that is to learn some amazing new knowledge and that is through lynda.com slash once you could learn something brand new and i say it's almost a steal because you can sign up for a free trial a free 10-day trial and you get full access to all of the 100,000 plus videos on lynda.com taught by thousands of professionals in many different fields. You could learn so many amazing things that you could literally change your life with what you learn from the information. You could change careers. You could learn something new. You could just improve how you are with a particular hobby like video editing or 3D animation or accounting. If, if Does anyone do accounting as a hobby? <laughs> I don't know. Someone probably does. They're like, yeah, I'm a boring rock star artist by day, but by night I'm an accountant and I love it. If you're that person, you can take accounting lessons from lynda.com or you can learn how to edit videos, program things, make mobile apps, which huge market there, all kinds of awesome stuff. It's lynda.com slash once. Go there, sign up for a free 10-day trial. Check out the amazing tutorials there. There's maybe even a tutorial that will teach dragons how to fly, taught by Maleficent. So check it all out at lynda.com slash once. That's lynda.com slash once for a free 10-day trial to enable you to learn something cool for your personal life or maybe your professional life. lynda.com slash once. Check it out. Try the free trial. And thank you for your support. Together again. The author and Mr. Gold are together again. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, they are. Because you can totally trust Isaac. For sure. Little troll. Uh, so, <laughs> so he shows up and Gold says, how? No, I don't care how. I don't want to waste time. I feel those words have been said perhaps in the writer's room sometimes. <laughs> 
maybe. <laughs> Don't I, waste time on the how. Just do it already. Of course, Emma can heal a head wound and knows that it's going to take time to heal inside. Of course. These last couple times watching this episode, when that book appears, Heroes and Villains, yeah. I get chills. It's it's weird i don't know i think it feels i think i know what the implication is and i think that gives chills but i think that i'm also confused by the structure what do you mean so the one book's called once upon a time Mm -hmm. heroes and villains i don't know i feel like it should be some kind of an inverse and it's not yeah but how can you invert once upon a time? I don't know. And then the first words he writes are once upon a time. And he uses title capitalization, which defies all logic. <laughs> capitalize the A. That's what really bothered yeah. me. You're not supposed to capitalize articles like A and un and things like that. Unless they're at the beginning of a sentence. And some style guides say if they're the last word of a sentence. But when would you have A as the last word of a sentence? Unless you're Canadian. Sorry. Aaron. Whoa. <laughs> that was that was amazing. That was kind uh, of aggressive, actually. <laughs> uh, so the book covers black instead of brown, which Ooh. Yeah, a bit more menacing. So there again, it's like, well, should the other book be white? Like light magic and dark magic? I guess brown leather is just awesome all the way around. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't know what it means, though, to have it be a different book. If it's a different story, how can it affect this story Huh? in any way? Well, that's kind of, though, how life is, right? The ripple effects of different stories create new stories. Right. And he could, as part of writing these stories, he could change people's memories, not change the past, but change their memories of the past or wipe their memories like a new curse, practically. Seems like that's the, the fallback for every couple of seasons is we have to have a new curse. <laughs> well, at least they're not down in the mines trying to destroy something before it destroys them. Yeah. In our forums, Nevermore said, when they say villains and heroes, whose point of view is it? Do they all agree <laughs> on who the villains or heroes are? Are Rumpel and Isaac on the same page, so to speak? <laughs> nice. Uh, for example what happens to hook what's in it for isaac so he first went with regina realized that she wouldn't use his abilities she'd do nothing as she said and then at that point skipped back to rumpel technically that scene where rumpel is focusing on the inkwill gave me the impression that without the author's intervention rumpel was essentially a goner i think the author wrote him back into consciousness with his line where rumpel stiltskin waits interesting Mm. it's interesting see i don't know i'm confused because there's still like that notion of choice that we're not sure about right because when isaac messed up the whole maleficent baby thing with snow and charming snow and charming still made that choice they just had a different choice put in front of them that they would not have had had it not been for isaac so it's almost like he takes (laughs) pleasure in like the turmoil of the choices of the heroes as well well, yes and no. The apprentice said, why did you make me do that? Oh, that's true. As though he had no choice because it was written. Yeah, that's true. Which uh, really was true about Cruella as well. Aurora sent some good feedback here saying, because the Heroes and Villains book is designed to give the villains their happy endings, I think it is safe to assume that it will take the happy endings away from the heroes. The best way to do this, 
by completely flipping the dynamic, making the villains heroic and vice versa. Emma is the savior in the original, quote, story, unquote. So I think that in Heroes and Villains, she will be written as the Dark One. It is possible that because Lily has the most, quote, potential for darkness, unquote, she will be written as the Savior. Tying in with some of the stuff we were saying just here. Mm. And Aurora continued saying, I would also like to make a point that we have not seen August since Isaac was released from the book. Why bring him back for a few episodes and then forget about him? Just food for thought. Yeah, what if August somehow has some influence over the author? Maybe. Well, yeah, August is just wherever characters go when they're not on the script. <laughs> um, That's very interesting. I don't... Yeah, I just don't know. Hmm. So if two stories exist, how does one supersede the other? Alternate realities. Yeah, or wiping... Well, can... Isaac create an alternate reality. Maybe that's how fictional London got created. (laughs) (laughs) And some people would say that for every choice we make, an alter, another dimension is created. This is what I want. I want his manipulation of Cruella to be an event that splintered fictional London into existence. He was in the real London. And when he rewrote it, fictional london was created that's what i want to see i want it to be a mistake by the author <laughs> oh no that that could be that could explain it nicely yeah that's that's nice what about if they try and you know make these stories and flip the reality and make heroes villains and they realize that it's everything is exactly as it is because like there's already so much gray in that like Regina is a villain, but she's done so many heroic things. Snow and Charming are heroes, but they've done things that only villains would ever do. Um, Emma had the potential to kill Lily and didn't. There's so much gray. There's not black and white in this show. (laughs) So it's like they're trying to make black and white out of something that doesn't exist. And maybe they're going to get a slap in the head for it. Like, they try to write Rumpelstiltskin as a hero. Well, Rumpelstiltskin's not a hero because of his own choices. And who's to say he's not going to continue to make those choices after the author's done with whatever he's writing? And how will whatever the author writes actually save Rumpel? Right. That's what I don't understand yet. One other idea here came from Ashley Hardy saying, I love the idea of Henry having to rewrite the stories and that making him the new author. Maybe the, the apprentice slash sorcerer realizes what Isaac has done and gives Henry a new enchanted quill. I know a lot have been theorizing that Henry could become the next yeah. author and that could be yep. just so perfect yeah. that that's what they should do. <laughs> he has been like writing down the story since he was little. Remember when his book went missing in season one, he was yeah scribbling that stuff down, trying to remember everything, pictures and all. So, where do you think the finale is going? Let's let's theorize a little bit. What do you think it'll be? Where do you think it will go? Because this is our last chance to make any kind of predictions whatsoever about the finale. While you think about that for a moment, let me read some feedback here. Christina said, uh, so way back when Rumpel was told that, quote, the boy, unquote, referring to Henry, would be his undoing. Could we be moving forward finally with a little more of a story with Henry involved? Will he truly be Rumpel's undoing? 
Everyone seems to think he will be the next author, but maybe, just maybe, he will become the next dark one to save Rumpel. This could take us into season five with unlikely forces banding together to try and save Henry. That sounds like the back cover of a movie or the show. That sounds like the back cover of season three. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting idea, Christina. (laughs) Henry is a dark one. Uh, I can't see it. Giovanni sent this other piece of feedback in saying, at the beginning of this season, we had two mystery characters. Now we know more about one. Isaac, we have yet to see the author's full backstory. I don't think what we saw with Cruella was the backstory. So we need to learn about his motives to, quote, disappear in a puff of smoke to meet Mr. Gold. I'm thinking we might see flashbacks to the author's origin in the finale since it might be the last time we see the author. He might not die, but I think he will go away. This will give way for season five to focus on the second mystery character. Yen Sid, I mean, the sorcerer. Hmm. Jeremy, what are some of your predictions for the finale? <sighs> predictions. I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't know that I have any. I know what I think might happen, and I know that it's different than what I want to happen. <laughs> I think that he might do a lot of writing, and we'll see some consequences that feel not as grave as everything we've believed was at stake and that it'll all ultimately be sort of corrected mm-hmm. with very few permanent alterations other than that emma might have some dark moods on some days that have more <laughs> weight than the dark moods she already is given to i, I yeah. hope that it's not another two hours of emma resolving some <laughs> issue <laughs> just for herself if if she does, there needs to be hoverboards this time. Oh, okay. I wonder if Emma becoming the dark one would neutralize that power source and then make the dark one non-existent because she is 100% light magic. Hmm. Just a thought that popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. It's like what happens when you combine white chocolate with dark chocolate? It becomes okay. lighter chocolate. Here's a prediction for you. The opposite of what Rumpel fears will happen. The Dark One will be eradicated somehow, and Rumpel will live. Oh, that's a good one. In our chat room, WWO mentioned, as well as uh, Aiden X. Jeffrey mentioned, the whole cleaving himself from the dagger. What if that cleaving themselves does what you're saying? Yeah. Hmm. Once Wizard said... Uh, this about their predictions i think we will see the sorcerer in physical form and i think he will level the playing field for heroes and villains maybe changing the rules of fate get rid of the author (laughs) zelina will get rid of the cuff and become magical again rumble's heart will go completely black and only the dark one will be left maybe someone will stab the dark one and become the new dark one which would be great lillian maleficent will stay in storybrook and anastasia the Red Queen will show up. Yes. Those are uh, once <laughs> Wizards predictions. I think that one might be a little too hopeful. You know, that makes me think, realize something. This whole season with Will being in Storybrooke, and we've never learned. And at this point, I'm giving up hope learning Whoa. 
how he ended up back in Storybrooke. I don't think you can give up no, hope. No, I don't care how. I don't want to waste time. <laughs> I don't think you can give up hope uh, uh, doing a podcast about a show that is about hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I theorized many weeks ago, I can't remember now what it was about, but something in my theory said that perhaps this storyline is setting us up to see Wonderland kind of like that information that we don't have about Wonderland kind of come back, come into this show. So I can't remember what it was specifically about. It was a long, it was many weeks ago, but I basically said, we've had Will on the show for a whole season. And if they're not going to do anything with him related to Wonderland, why is he here? It's very frustrating. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I will say this. If Anastasia shows up in the finale, it will be in the last 10 seconds. Yeah. Maybe Anastasia will become the new dark. Maybe Anastasia is the sorcerer. But I don't Maybe think. Maybe she will come flowing out of a <laughs> I'm just, vase. I'm just pulling out stupid ideas. I don't even here. think that I'm... they could just make her show up in the last 10 seconds without context because she's from a show that perhaps half the one's audience have not have not watched. Well, but that's why I say the last 10 seconds. They did the same thing with Elsa. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. They're like, Here. Here's this person. Not even the actress we're going to use, but here's this person. (laughs) Giovanni also suggested that, like we'd been theorizing, that the dark one will continue and Rumpel will be the big bad of season five, maybe. (sighs) I'm sorry, that was out loud, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And maybe the dark one, it will be kind of like the dark one versus the sorcerer and the sorcerer maybe being kind of like the light one. I don't know about that. Oh, well, that's an interesting yeah. idea. But, and then what? They've each got their little, I don't know, lower counterpart, Emma and Lily. <laughs> yeah. They're prophets. <laughs> oh, gosh. I do think we happening? have to see an ending to the sorcerer storyline because he's in the hat. That was this season. Well, The Apprentice is in the hat. Sorry, yes, but that's what I mean. The pre- the Apprentice. <laughs> we need to see an ending to that. To that. Yes. To the hat. So I think we might see Mother Superior in this two-hour finale. Mm. Just a guess. I think that we will see the Sorcerer, and the Sorcerer might be a bigger part of season five. Because we've <gasps> seen, they've teased us <gasps> a lot about the Sorcerer, and we finally got to see some kind of representation about of the Sorcerer. And The Apprentice has been throughout this season, even though he in Storybrooke is locked up in a hat. So maybe the hat is going to come into play again. Mm-hmm. Because remember, that was a big point for Rumpel to get the hat. And there, there's still something in the hat. And that's The Apprentice. Maybe others are trapped in the hat as well. But maybe releasing The Apprentice or might release the Sorcerer. Both of them will come out of the hat and that will be the season five plot line is the sorcerer in town. And however that plays out, whether he's good or bad, or maybe he becomes the dark one, or I don't know. Rumple is the worst relative to have ever. Yeah. What percentage of the show has he had a notion, at least an idea about killing his grandson, <laughs> his grandson's mother, somebody. Yeah. He's had two different plots to harm Emma this year. <laughs> That's true. Jeremy, anything else you think that'll be happening? I think we can count on some sort of an epic or epic-ish battle between Emma and Lily. 
And they've already thrown someone through the clock tower, so they'll have to figure something else out. Well, they've actually thrown someone in and out of the clock tower at different times. So they'll have to figure out something not involving the clock tower unless it's Lily perched on top of it. Or the clock tower being thrown at someone. Ooh. Mm. Because we've already seen Chernabog perched on top of the clock tower. Oh, right. Lily would just look like a copycat. Save the clock tower. (laughs) Hashtag. Uh, yeah, so that, I'm sure there will be lots of questions of fate versus free will, but I don't know if we'll have any solid answers beyond that. I suppose we shall find out in, at the time of this recording, <laughs> three days, 22 <laughs> hours, 58 minutes, and 55 seconds. And you know what? There is very little time left for you to reserve your space at our season finale party that we'll be having in Cincinnati. We have nine people in addition to the three of us, Jeremy, Jenny, and myself, who will be there celebrating. So we'll have 12 people so far celebrating watching the season finale. We'll be on the almost top floor of the Radisson in Covington, right across the river from Cincinnati, Covington, Kentucky. It's going to be an awesome time. We'll have a great TV there. We'll have a dinner beforehand. We'll have breakfast the day after for anyone who can stay that long or be able to make it for that to just continue hanging out because we don't want to just see you watch the TV show and go away, right. but we want to hang out as much as possible. So come for dinner, watch the show, join us for breakfast the following morning. Go to oncepodcast.com slash party where you can get that information about all the schedule, the details that we have there, and also reserve your space. And I do ask that if you only are thinking of it or you're a maybe, please don't reserve space. Only reserve space if you know for sure that you're going to make it. Because if we come to a point where more people want to register and all the slots are taken, then we have to start telling people, I'm sorry, we're full. So we want to get to that point and then not everyone show up. So only register if you know you're going to show up. If you think you might show up, then just email us to let us know. But register if you know you'll show up. That's at oncepodcast.com slash party. And Jenny and I recorded a little video there to show you the space to give you an idea of how much fun it will be and some of the cool things that will be uh, there at the space. Like there is a clock tower that we'll be able to see from the room. <laughs> we might get some photos with it at the during the day or the next morning, maybe we'll all go out at 8.15 and at get 8:15. photos <laughs> by the clock tower. But join us, please, in Cincinnati. Oncepodcast.com slash party. That will be the finale. And what we'll be doing for our full discussion of the finale will be a thematic approach. We'll have all five of us together, including Hunter and Jacqueline. You'll hear spoilers from them in a moment. All five of us will be together to talk about the show and some of the best themes in this episode, the finale episode coming up. So please send us your highlights, uh, your theories for whatever we see and put in the subject line finale. Email that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. If you forgot all of that, the contact information is easily available at oncepodcast.com. Remember that the finale is a two-hour event, so it starts at 8 or 7 central. And just a little bit before that, some of our friends are at RegalCon in California, a conference for Once Upon a Time, and they will be live streaming. So definitely check that out in the hour and maybe hours leading up to when the finale airs in Eastern Time. We'll have our initial reactions podcast an hour later on that Sunday, 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 9.15 central. 
so that we can, of course, have enough time to watch the finale. And whoever is there at the party might get to say something into the podcast, too. So you'll hear from some <laughs> of the others there joining us as we have a live audience. A lot of really exciting stuff coming up, and we'd love for you to be a part of it, and we'd love for you to connect with us. So please follow us on Twitter at Once Podcast and each of us individually as well. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers supporting us in many different ways. So thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline providing our spoilers. You'll hear them in a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Keb managing our timeline, Alias Scape moderating the chat room, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline co-hosting this podcast with me and you being part of this great community, sending your great feedback, sending donations and ideas and all of that into the show. And until next time, you just need some manly arms to (laughs) lift you up. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And also check out lynda.com slash once to learn something new. That's lynda.com slash once because you're awesome. Hey, Oncers, I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. We have got the season finale, season four, episodes 21 and 22, Operation Mongoose part one and two. The author proves to be a formidable wild card and forges an alliance with Gold. Emma, her parents, Hook, and Regina scramble to stop them when Gold and the author turn the tables on heroes and villains alike. The prospect of any happy outcome appears worlds away. Henry discovers he has big shoes to fill as he steps up to save his family before the story's final page is turned. It's a race to the finish and everything accumulates with a shocking twist that will leave the residents of Storybrooke reeling. So both part one and two are written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, and part one is directed by Romeo Tyrone, and part two is directed by Ralph Hemmiger. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, a very intense two hours. And a very filled cast. Yes. So we don't officially have any guest stars, so we don't know if there's any spoilers coming, like any ones that we don't know about. Right. We know a few of the stars that will be guest appearing just based on filming when they were filming these episodes, based on some photos and rumors. So we do know that August will be there. Mm-hmm. Blue, um, Zelina, The Apprentice will be returning. Mm-hmm. We will also have Robin Hood and the author. Yes. So we definitely know those guys. It looks like we've got a lot more of the dwarfs will be there. Yeah, and I I think Maleficent and Lily will also be around. Yes. No more Ursula or Cruella, though. Right. I think they're officially done. Yes. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun-filled pack two hours. Oh, yeah. We did get a promo. 
We saw that last week. Yeah, so the promo really focuses on this alternate universe, and we do get a couple really interesting things from it. We do have Rumpelstiltskin as a knight, and there is a big kiss with Belle, and Belle is telling him that he's a hero. Yeah, it's so and cute. And he's, he's dressed like Prince Charming. It's, it's adorable. It is. We do see Henry, and it looks like he might actually be in the Enchanted Forest, and it yes. kind of looks like he's spying on everybody. Yeah, the author sees through that door at that one point. Yeah, what is that door? So I kind of want to think that Henry went through that door and like he's like living the book. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking is that he's seen how messed up everything is. And I think that Henry has to become the new author and fix everybody's story. Yes. Well, if... Okay, so I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit to some of the set photos we saw. Yes. Henry was holding a book written by the author, and it was called Heroes and Villains. So I kind of, in my head, I think that's what we're seeing. That's what I think. Okay. I think we're going to get a lot more about Isaac in this episode. Yes. We do have, back and, to the the promo, Yes. Of, speaking of heroes and villains, we do have a total role reversal of Snow White, Prince Charming, and Regina. It is awesome. It is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm, like, legitimately excited about this. Yes. Snow is in full evil queen dress. She, her hair is like standing up. Yes. She, she looks like dark snow. It's incredible. It's so cool. And she's controlling Charming with his heart. She's pulled his heart out. Right. Which in my, I'm going back to season one now. And that is what Regina did to Graham. To Graham. Yep. I was thinking the same thing. Okay. So. And then it ends, the promo ends on a very bizarre note. You have Emma. It looks like she's trapped in a tower. Yes. And she's wearing that dress we talked about last week, the one that Mark Isham tweeted a picture of. Yes. And she's screaming. Scary. Yeah, I don't don't know what that's about, but I'm very excited to find out. Yes. Okay. And then we had a lot, a lot of set photos. Yes. Most of them are of the alternate universe. It's very strange. Yeah, that's one way to put it. It's They've really taken this whole role reversal to its fullest extent because it's like everybody is wearing somebody else's clothes. Right, and it's but it, it's cool. But it is. It's, it's really strange. It, it boggles the mind. Yes. Like you have Regina wearing Bandit Snow's outfit. Mm-hmm. And it's the and her one, hair is all down and yeah. long like it was in the beginning. Snow's hair was in the beginning. Yeah, it um, it's, I think, almost the exact same outfit that we saw Snow White in in Snow Falls back in season one when we first met Bandit Snow. Yes. Charming is dressed in all black. He looks good in all black, though. He kind of does. Like, <laughs> hello, Josh. <laughs> um, um, we have Grumpy is standing there, like, as a guard. Yeah. That was kind of different. Right. And then we have a lot of photos of Regina and Emma together in the Enchanted Forest in this alternate universe. Yes. And, and Emma's They've teamed up. They have. And Emma's wearing white and black. It looks like a mix of Charming and Hook's outfit. Okay. That's kind of how I was reading into it. So she's maybe some sort of warrior princess, maybe. I'm not sure. Because I don't know how Emma fits into this if she's not the true love daughter of Snow and Charming. Unless she is and they never – I don't know. Well, is she the true love of Snow – true love daughter of Snow and Charming or <laughs> – speaking True of- love daughter of Regina and Ho- – or Robin? 
maybe or Snow and James because there is a sneak peek. Yes. And we can talk about that now. The sneak peek is incredible. Oh, so cool. It's so cool. And you have Evil Snow confronting Bandit Regina. And Snow talks about how because of Regina, Snow White lost her true love, James, who, of yes. course, is Charming's evil twin brother. <laughs> so I was just like, what is this madness? It is. But, and then they were asking about a kid. I think they're boy. talking about Henry. Okay. Like, that was my instinct, is that somehow they've been alerted to Henry's presence, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. It's very, very, very cool, guys. She's Snow White actually ends up stabbing Regina, and, like, she's, like, doubled over in pain, and then she pulls out this awesome fireball. Yes, and you, we think that um, Snow might throw it at her, maybe, or maybe stop at the last second, but it's it's very cool to see Snow White acting just like Evil Queen Regina. Yes. And you can tell that Jenny Goodwin is having a ton of fun with this. Oh, I would too. Come on. You 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 play this nice person for four seasons and then you finally get to turn evil? Hello. Yeah. That'd gonna, be so much fun. It's going to be great. There were a few pictures that we did kind of skip over, and I have no idea how this fits into the plot. But <laughs> there are a bunch of photos of the author in our world in the 1960s. Okay, good. So I put in the 60s, too. It's like 1950s, 1960s, and he's, like, working at some store. He's selling televisions. With ABC. Of course, ABC. logo on the TV. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And I do think it's the 1960s because um, over in the forums, my co-mod, Matt, pointed out that the TV, some of them are in color, and so that signals that we're probably in the 1960s. Okay. Uh, I also think it's kind of a meta thing because Patrick Fischler was on Mad Men for a while. So they are kind of hearkening back to that. I have no idea how that fits into the plot. No, neither do I. None. (laughs) But there is a picture of the author with Snow White and Charming, and he's dressed in his suit while everyone else is in enchanted forest clothing. Right, which maybe brings us back to that door that we saw in the promo. Mm-hmm. Like, does he – I think he might be from our world, and he became the author and went to the Enchanted Forest. I don't yes. think he's originally from the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. Because so, he gets some sort of letter, and he looks really excited. And I know this sounds all over the place, guys, but that's kind of how these spoilers are right now, because they're just – they're very mind-boggling. And nothing's in order when we get them. We just yeah. get <laughs> – Okay. Yeah. Well, the last set of photos that we do need to talk about are – the Robin wedding. Hood and Zelina. The wedding. <laughs> Which just has me laughing hysterically, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Robin Hood and Zelina are going to get married. Or there's at least a wedding. Whether or not it actually goes through, I kind of doubt. But she's in all white. He's wearing some kind of princely regalia. And it looks like they're going to get hitched. Yes. It's just weird to see. But that's me. Very weird. <laughs> But yes, okay. So we did get a script tease. Yes, we did. And we are going to act out for you. I will be playing the part of Hook. And I will be playing the part of Emma. I know this man. You do? <laughs> I'm sorry. These script tees, while they're fun, they do absolutely nothing <laughs> for us. Absolutely nothing. They just give Hunter and I a chance to dramatically reenact them. <laughs> That's really the entire purpose. Yes. Too bad we didn't have all of them last week. We would have done so much better. Yeah, (laughs) true. Let's move on now. We've got some other rapid-fire questions that the Kitsis and Horowitz answered. 
So did we go through some of those? Yes. There was the EW hot seat, which is mostly the yes, no, can't say kind of interview. But there were a couple really interesting ones that we pulled out. Um, It was asked whether or not there was a way to balance out Lily's darkness and Emma's goodness. And the answer they gave was next season. So I'm wondering if that means Agnes Bruckner will be returning in season five as Lily. Well, we do know that this will end on a cliffhanger. Yes. So that could be part of going into next season. Mm-hmm. Lily's father will be brought up again. Yep. So I'm hoping we get an answer to who he actually is. Ah, uh, That'd be cool. We will find out the identity of the sorcerer before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and place 50 cookies on Jafar. That'd be so cool. They did call Will Scarlet Bell's rebound. Yes. I don't know what that means for Rumbell. I don't know if they're going to be reunited soon in the real timeline or not, but it looks like Scarlet Beauty probably won't last. Aww. Um, We will not learn why Will is in Storybrooke in season four at all. No. And we won't be learning anything about Anastasia either. So. Well, it says not immediately. I so, kind of think that the writers themselves don't know yet. I think they're they just wanted to bring Will over to have him for a while, but I don't think they actually know themselves. So maybe we'll get that story in season five. Right. So we might find out, we might not. And then one of the big ones is that there will be one temporary death and there will be one permanent death. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I think the temporary death is Emma. Right, because we she, know that she's going to be doing some stabby McStabbers and stuff. And I hate to say it, but you really can't have the show without her. No, no. Killing the Savior permanently would kind of kill the show. So I have no doubt that she'll be back. The permanent death, though. There are two predictions that I keep hearing. One of them is Maleficent, and the other one is Rumpel. Okay. And I'm still going with Rumpel. I've, I still believe that Rumpel might die. I could see that, because his life is kind of over while maleficent just finally got to reconnect with lily it'd be really sad sad to tear them apart already and then just throw lily into a whole evilness of dragon on the town of storybrook yes there was a couple other ones i saw um will page 23 be featured yes and then at the end emma's going to be forced with making a very big sacrifice. So I think that's the whole dagger issue. Yep, she's that we talked about stabby. before, mm-hmm. and that Henry plays the role of a hero. Which, I'm excited for that. Yeah, he hasn't gotten much playtime this season. No, he hasn't, and that's a shame, especially because so much of this season was about the book. So I am looking forward to seeing how he deals with the book and the author, and what role he has to play in the end. Yeah, so exciting. There were um, a few more tiny little things. Once Upon a Time will reveal how Emma really feels about Hook uh, mm-hmm. in the season finale. But there will be no true love's kiss to break any kind of curse. There will be kissing, but not the kind that we associate with Once Upon a Time where some sort of curse is broken. Yes. Which is applicable both to Captain Swan outlaw queen and rumbelt because a lot of people predicted that rumple's curse would finally be broken with a true love kiss between bell and rumple this season and it doesn't look like that's going to be happening that's sad 
but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on from that part. At least all the Rumble fans will have to. And then finally, the last little tidbit was something about ogre killing. Someone is going to be labeled an ogre killer. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll <Yeah>. be fun. <laughs> It's, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to watching the finale. I think it's going to be hilarious watching our characters have to play the opposite of themselves. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, I think that's all we have for you this week. Yes. We won't have any spoilers next week. Next week, we'll actually be part of the full discussion. Mm-hmm. So, But we are see. hoping to have a spoiler podcast in July, hopefully after Comic-Con. Yes, that would be excellent. Mm -hmm. And Comic-Con is the second week of July this year. Okay. So I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Oncers. Oncers.